The American Petroleum Institute, driving safety, environmental protection, and sustainability across the natural gas and oil industry through world-class standards and safety programs. Since its formation as a standard-setting organization in 1919, API has developed more than 800 standards to enhance industry operations worldwide. Find out more at api.org. Mr. Gorbachev, tear down this wall. Government is the problem. This will not stand. This will not stand, this aggression against uh, Kuwait. Indeed, I did have a relationship with Mr. Lewinsky that was not appropriate. America is a strong force for peace. I know the human being and fish can coexist peacefully. And my vice president has shot someone. Do you smell what Barack is cooking? You didn't build that. I'll give you all a big kiss, the women and the men. I'll, kiss. I'll even kiss the men. Kiss those big, powerful men. Sit down, you'll hear what I have to say. You're listening to the Oil & Gas Geopolitics Podcast, the show for those who want a spirited, irreverent, humorous, and occasionally informative discussion on the latest geopolitical issues that are impacting the energy sector today. Here is your host, Jordan Driscoll. Welcome to the program, my huddled masses. This is your industry malcontent and ATM of Reckless Opinion, Jordan Driscoll. Welcome to the program. Grab yourself a cup of coffee and let's get into it. And today I've got a, uh, a fine, I think it was espresso, is what you've made me here. So Jordan, I've been anticipating this moment all day long. So the coffee you're drinking is an Ethiopian coffee. It's an espresso roast and it's called Laughing Donkey. <laughs> no, don't Perfect. laugh yet. No, I would never. get ready to laugh when I finish the story. The reason it's called Laughing Donkey is on the cover of the coffee is a drawing of a male donkey with a full erection. Excellent. Standing next to the other barnyard, other male animals. Oh. Laughing Donkey. Yes. Got it. <laughs> yeah. If you haven't figured it out, we do have some guests here in the studio today. And by here in the studio, I mean I have come down to the mothership, <laughs> the OGGN global headquarters, and uh, as a result, that is where we're recording from. But before we get into that, I do have an important announcement to make, and this is serious business. Before we begin, begin I want to address something, something very serious, um, and we really got to talk about this. There's terrible things that happen in the world every day, murder, the trafficking of human beings, huge poverty, children who are homeless. But last week, I did something that topped all of that. I just uh, discussed Vice President Kamala Harris uh, possibly becoming vice president or the president if uh, Joe Biden got impeached. And that was it, actually. I mispronounced her name several times. In fact, uh, it came to be the worst part where Donald Trump and Joe Biden called me directly uh, together because the word had spread that fast. And um, obviously in our United States, this was no good for anyone. So they rang me up and I was like, hey, Joe, hey, Donnie, what's up? What's up, babe? How we doing? And they were like, yo, yeah, yeah, we're doing good. We're just getting ready for the election. You know, it's, it's, it's been fine. But, you know, actually, Jordan, we've been talking, and this is the first time we've talked in a while, me and Joe, uh, and we've decided to find you guilty for treason. And um, Congress has voted to bring back beheading, and we've decided to kill you for what you've done. 
And I was like, guys, what have I done? You know, what could get you two to agree on something that's so heinous that both of you guys and Congress would bring back beheading and, and sentence me to treason and death? And uh, they said, well, you mispronounced Vice President Harris's first name multiple times. And everyone, Congress, NATO, we've been outraged by your behavior. And uh, so that's what you've done. And I said, well, you know, that's completely fair, guys. Um, yeah, I've needed a haircut anyway, so I guess just go ahead and fucking put me down. Um, anyways, yeah, guys, listen, I mispronounced Vice President Harris's name on the last episode because I read most of my news and I don't actually listen to it. So I have no idea how anything is pronounced in the world. It's questionable whether or not I even know how to read or write. So, I mean, yes, it is pronounced Kamala Harris, not Kamala Harris. I fucked that up. Uh, so the Fuhrer can die down, uh, that Congress has decreed that I'll be put to death, and uh, the problem is solved. The world is, is back to normal. I will bust anybody for anything, but I don't deliberately try and fuck people's names up. That's just something you get free of service. That's just something that happens on the show by accident. Um, okay, now that we've addressed the official business, <laughs> and I have officially paid my pittance to the... Uh, the forces of good and evil. Uh, yes, we have Mark LaCour, the business daddy himself, in the house. And, of course, Paige Wilson, uh, who basically have uh, brought me down here. I had to pick up some equipment for the Abu Dhabi show I'm doing. And um, because I'm required by law to produce so many units of content per year, I thought this was a really good way to do that. And also offload some of the burden to my bosses because I'm a smart employee <laughs> like that. Uh, so here we are, guys. Welcome to the show yet again. Yeah, with your it's been reprobate, a terrible employee. Me, yeah. Jordan, you're a good company. I get fussed at for mispronouncing people's names. I mispronounce countries' names. <laughs> Yeah, I think you said Biden one time instead of I, Biden. I, yeah, and, and I get called on it all the time. So, <laughs> <laughs> so it happens when you're in this business. You know, you know, you don't have a, a pronunciation coach. And to your point, you read a lot of the information. You don't hear people pronounce the words all the time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I just made it up. It sounded good in my head, and it was wrong. So there you go. That'll happen. So today we're going to talk about. I'm going to get y'all's opinion on the Q3 2023. Uh, and I love this. We're in the OGG and offices here, and I'm not joking. There's a literal bottle of whiskey sitting directly in front of me on the table, which makes me incredibly happy. Um, yes. As I clink it around. She she does. Yeah. It's possible someone had a shot of that a few months ago. It's uh. Yeah, I think there's I think there's a video of that somewhere. There, there is. They'll be posted online here in a bit. Uh, so yeah, we're going to talk about some global risks in geopolitics, and I would get some opinions here. And I, this is a free speech zone; you can say anything you want. Uh, this is a full swearing permitted, so just go crazy, guys. Ooh, I know. <laughs> Maybe I should take a shot of whiskey. I mean, you probably certainly, <laughs> yeah. All right, so we're gonna we're gonna let's talk about this. Uh, I'm gonna pick some topics. You guys just give me some some what your thoughts are here. So first off, U.S. Canada. What do we got here? Uh, Potential for recession and threats of inflation. Any thoughts you guys have on that? We're in the middle of a yeah, huge inflationary yeah. cycle. Yes. The, the, you know, the recession thing, so I, so I called that we'd be in a recession this year, and, and I don't and I missed it, right? Mm -hmm. there, there are some signs of recession, um, but our GDP um, has not declined consecutively like I thought it was. But the inflation is just through the freaking roof so right when, now. So when it's a recession, it's three Three months of that consecutive, yeah, yeah. consecutively. Because yeah. I remember that was that that happened last year. Yeah, yeah, and it's um it's affecting our industry in a way that I've never seen before. In the fact that 
we're headed toward a undersupply of crude, mm-hmm. right? And every time, as long as I've been alive, that we've headed toward an undersupply of crude, everybody starts drilling production because they're anticipation of $100 a barrel, and then we tend to oversupply, and then the, we, the market tanks, right? Nobody's drilling right now. In fact, all we're doing is taking old wells, ducks, and, mm-hmm. and completing them. And the reason that nobody's drilling right now is because inflation it doesn't make fiscal sense. So it's for the first time since I've been in this industry, it's almost like the perfect storm where the economics are not there to produce more, even though the market's demanding more. Yeah, and it shows it in the the lack of rigs. Yeah, and the rigs going down. Yeah, I mean even things like housing. So you know, I was looking at building another house or buying another house. I'm locked down at under three point two percent my current mortgage. It's it's financial suicide right now because the high yeah. interest rates to, to go buy another house. You know, so you know if that's affecting me, that's affecting everybody else as well. Right. That's that's correct. So the next thing it's got here is uh, austerity politics surrounding uh, U.S. government uh, increasing risk to economy. What I have to say to that is, what fucking austerity? What austerity policies? We're spending record sums of money. Where's the austerity? There's no austerity. No. And, you know, a lot of people blame that this spending on the Democrats. And to be totally fair, it really started Ronald Reagan. It, he got now, to store our first trillion. Yeah. Yep. Now, now he bankrupt the Soviet Union. Sure right? did. I mean, um, I mean, the Cold War, the only way you win a Cold War is much like a divorce. Can you outspend the yep. other side? Yeah. So so I give him props for that. And it costs a little bit of money to bankrupt another uh, world power, right? Um, but the way we're spending now, it's it's our, our, our Congress members have lost touch with reality, mm-hmm. and they don't. Well, half of them are too old to, are, to function, much to less function, yeah. help help rule this <laughs> Good country. Job. Good job, Mitch. Listen yeah. to quote to quote Mitch McConnell. <laughs> <laughs> And that's it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> There's no fucking austerity. Well, but which which time? Which time? That's that, I think that covers everything, one? really. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. That, that gets all your bases covered, right? He's a he's my man with an economic way with words these days. Um, <laughs> <laughs> also, fun fact, unrelated to this, we did establish pretty conclusively this week while I was down here. Um, Surprising to Business Day Lacour, not at all surprising to me. I've been banned in China. Um, <laughs> it, it, it legit, we, I went and actually looked at the. We had dinner and I was pulling up um, all the data on our podcast. And he is the only. Sh- and, and by the way, Jordan's show holds the record. He's our fastest growing show of all time ever. Sorry. 15 members. I love you guys. Yep. Sorry, Joe. <laughs> you had it and, and you lost it to, to Jordan. But um, zero listeners in China. And statistically, that's impossible. Every other Every show, other show has listeners in China. <laughs> so I really think you have been banned. Yeah, yeah. And he, Mark was like, oh, I'm so surprised by this. I'm like, no, nah, I'm, I'm not. I'm not. I know what I've said. I know what I've done wrong. <laughs> Goals, man. Goals. Yeah, yeah. Now. So, uh, all right. So what do we got here? Uh, uncertainty persists as Russia's war with Ukraine alters relationship policies and strains supply chains. So the ongoing debacle, you know, Russia, the prequel and sequel to the Soviet Union, um, and their endless conflict, policing action mm-hmm. in Ukraine. What do we think the uh, geopolitical risks there are? What do you think the end game is? How's this going to happen? Oh, I, I think we're there's a very real threat of the destabilization of the country of Russia. I think Putin made a gamble that he normally doesn't lose, and this time he's losing. Mm-hmm. And I think not only does he have to worry about keeping control of the country, I think he has to worry about keeping control of his wealth and keep control of his life. Well, that's why that oligarch just, you know, <laughs> quote-unquote, died. Yeah, and so... Shocking. Yeah. So if, shocking. if if 
Putin loses power, you have all these different countries that were forced together by the original Soviet Union that don't necessarily get along. And I think you can see civil war. How that trickled out through the rest of the, the world, um, number one, it's going to uh, reduce the allies that China has, which I actually think is a really good thing. Yeah. But it's going it's to globally interrupt the hydrocarbon market in a dramatic way, and you will probably see oil hit $150, $180 a barrel. That's bold. Yeah. That's bold, sir. Well, the other thing is it's going to greatly impact our world's poor people for about a year. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. In this inflationary cycle, food costs more. You add the cost of, of extra transportation and fuel if, if that does happen, and now the loaf of bread that should cost $0.80, cents, but today's cost $1.50 may cost $2.00. All three of us here at the table may grumble, and can, but we can afford to pay $2 for a loaf of bread. A lot of our world's population can't. Not only that, I mean, it's smaller portions. We, you and I were talking about that the other day. So not, if, not only is it more expensive, you're getting smaller portions yeah, of for, food. For the same amount of money. Yeah. yeah. And so um, I hope it doesn't happen. Um, but I, I think it's really close. And the, the one big worry I have in all of this is that if you look at our history of the U.S., our last war was basically started, and you could pick either side, tell the story from either side, but the actual hostilities were started because our enemy, Japan, realized that long-term-wise they couldn't take us out. And so they had to make a strategic move to take us out early. Mm-hmm. Mm. I'm worried that if something happens with Russia and China's starting to lose their allies, that they may also look at the U.S. and go, here's our one chance to do something and take the U.S. out. And I don't have I have zero faith in our current administration plan yeah. for that ahead of time. Mm-hmm. Um, so I hope I'm wrong about all of that. Well, me too. <laughs> but uh, you know, fortunately, my time in the service is over, so I'm free and clear. <laughs> well, you and I can't be recalled. We're 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 free to go. Yeah, but I took the oath forever. So me and my other Marines, if it got really bad, if we had foreign boots in our soil, my fat, oh, I mean, my fat that's butt. a different story. Yeah. They're not they're not going to be drafting you up and shipping. No you hell no. To the, <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah. obviously. I mean, I'm clear. I'm straight clear. I don't have to worry about none of that. You're straight clear. He's straight on, clear. You're on Scientology on us. No. <laughs> I mean, I figured I might as well straight. pick another another organization to get mad off. at. Yes. Off. Yeah, it's not the last one. Oh, man, Who that's... is Jordan pissed off lately? That's what this show should. We be need called. to make a list. We should. We should. We should have like a. Where you've been black, who you've been blacklisted by? Certainly, certainly, we've we've got a pretty heavy, yeah. So Scientology, here we go. Um, <laughs> all right, uh, EU response to Inflation Reduction Act nearshoring incentives was a with a push for green incentives as a potential economic destabilization factor in Q three twenty twenty three. Why the fuck is it called Inflation Reduction Act? Why the fuck is anything Congress does called what it's – none of yeah. it makes any sense. None of it. We're in crazy land. So um, interesting side effects I did not anticipate. Um, I love renewables. Please no hate mail. They have their place. They're being propped up by subsidies. Some places they're staying on their own two feet, and, and which is good. However, I'm looking at a lot of large wind projects – Head it toward bankruptcy because the economics don't work, even with the federal subsidies. Now, these federal subsidies will disappear. When I'm not sure. But if you go and bankrupt on a large multi-billion dollar wind farm installation with the federal subsidies, who's going to clean that mess up? Like, literally think about it. You spent all this work, all this time, all this money to build all these huge mechanical parts. You got uh, pylons going through the aquifers. You got steel towers that are three or 400 feet tall. You got all the generation capacity, the turbine blades themselves. 
And unlike oil and gas, here in the U.S., when you drill an oil well, by law, no matter where it's being drilled, you have to have the financial resources decommission that well and plug and abandon it, right? You have to have either insurance or a bond or whatever. None of that was required for the wind farms. So you're seeing companies walk away and just leaving it. Now, it's just in its infancy right now, but I think it's going to be a huge problem. And I'm, what I'm not saying is that the renewables are the problem. The renewables have their mit, their fit in our energy mix. It's the politics of forcing renewables and subsidizing them in a way that they can't make money. And so I think we're going to have a bunch of abandoned wind farms. It's like some cheap horror movie you know, <laughs> in, in 10 years. Broken blades just sitting there. Solar farms, Leaking all the glass oil. broken. And yeah, and it's just, I, that's a very unexpected consequence um, of what's going on. And then Jordan, fuck, we have rolling blackouts in this country? Are yeah. you fucking kidding me? I mean, don't even get me started on ERCOT, which, by the way, if someone who works at ERCOT listens to my show, I am still waiting for you to write me in and explain to me why the fuck I lost power for four days, okay? I was still waiting on that. The clock is ticking. Now watch. He's going to go home. He's him. Oh, he's the only house in his neighborhood that has no power. I know. I'm, that's pretty much what it was the first go around. We well, should learn it to be quiet and not I call know, out Hercot. I've been banned in China. Clearly, I haven't learned my lesson yet. But, you know, you're seeing rolling blackouts in the U.S. We have we, we should have the most uh, rock-solid infrastructure. In fact, historically, we always have. And our own politics are destabilizing our, our electrical grid infrastructure. It's, it's, it's like we're going backwards in time. It, it drives me absolutely fucking crazy. Yeah, that, that's about par for the course. So moving on to uh, to Africa here, uh, and I actually did a show about this: aging infrastructure exacerbating uh, Africa's power shortage. Which is, if you've uh, you are aware, Africa has a hugely coal base. It's something like eighty eighty five percent of their power is generated by coal, and um, they've got massive power problems, power supply issues in the country. They have aging infrastructure, not enough power production, um, which has caused a interesting problem to where they're doing blackouts which is cutting power to the water pumps that take water from the lower wetlands oh up to the capital and the more populated cities which are up above where the water is and are mostly arid or dry locations and so that's been a um, a major issue and they were getting huge subsidies to move to renewables but because of the staggering corruption mm. they can't um they can't seem to make that push happen. Any any thoughts on that? Yeah. So for the balance point, I did some research, and I was actually shocked. Here in the U.S., 100% of our population has access to electricity. You may not be able to afford it, but you have access to it. In Africa, no matter how much money you have, only 45% of the population has access, access to electricity. Then you add in all the layers of corruption, which is part of their tribal cultures. Uh, some areas they've cleaned up better than others. Some areas are horrible. Um, and, and it's just a mess. But I will tell you this much. In the future, I think Africa is going to be a shining star in this in this world. Um, they have abundant natural resources, including hydrocarbons. They have abundant um, traditional uh, recoverable reservoirs, unlike the um, unconventionals we have here. They have the workforce. Um, go to Africa right now and tell somebody that they should be eating bugs instead of beef to help save the planet, or that um, that they shouldn't be uh, having a air conditioner in a house because it's causing climate destruction they'll laugh at you mm -hmm. right I, I think the future of africa is be bright but the the future of africa being bright is dependent on the african people not being okay with corruption yeah. until the people oh, yeah. aren't okay with it they can't get rid of it politically um and it and it's and there's a lot of 
turmoil going over there. You can see a lot of warfare continue, a lot of strife, but I think it's settling down. I think by 2060, 2070, I think the African population is going to be wealthy. Um, I think they're going to be up to European standards where they want to be up to European standards. Um, I, I think their um, education systems could be world-class. I think they're going to be the breadbasket of the world, right? Because mm -hmm. the moment you can start producing fertilizer and moving water around, you can grow crops. So we just got to get them there. Yeah. Didn't we cover an article where someone within Africa's government, I can't remember which country specifically, like bombed somebody or oh it was it wasn't it was nigeria it was nigeria that's so, it so the nigerian version of the air force which i'm still up. waiting on their prince to send me my money by the way well <laughs> <laughs> you should write you should write him another email so the theft of oil in nigeria is rampant to the point that not only they steal it like they do in central south america there's mm -hmm. actually bootleg refineries right that's well, how much the same infrastructure. thing with coal in south africa yeah. mm -hmm. so the nigerian government literally told everybody hey at this date we're going to take military action. Nobody believed it. They literally blew up super tankers, air, air, full full munition, you know, airstrikes on super tankers, sent ground troops into the refineries, hazed them to the ground. All that's gone. And let me tell you, if you can afford a, a tanker in Africa, you can barely afford it. Once somebody blows it to smithereens, yeah. you're not going to do it again. Mm -mm. They sent a very strong message to the 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 bootleggers, and I was very proud of them for doing that. that yeah. very, that's one of those ways they're getting away from corruption. Normally, what would have happened is those, the black market hydrocarbon people would have paid off the politicians, mm -hmm. and nothing would have ever happened, right? That's in a, fact, that's how they built the bootleg infrastructures. They oh, paid right. off politicians, yeah. right? And now the Nigerian government's not putting up with it. Hats off to the Nigerian president for having the balls to do well, that. Well, that's a, that's a fuck around and find out kind of well, situation. Well, don't think that the... the the um the bad people they don't have a price on this guy's mm -hmm. head probably his family's head too right oh for and sure he knew that going into it um so i'm very proud of the fact that he actually had the the, the gumption to do the right thing yeah nice nicely done getting that sorted out mr president of nigeria also send me my my money <laughs> um that's all <laughs> <laughs> all right nato annual summit indicates a uh trend to continue expansion although no immediate uh, action plan on Ukraine ascension. So ostensibly, the whole war in Ukraine proposedly, pro I don't even think that's a word. See, I can barely read. Um, <laughs> ostensibly, it all started due to um, NATO's expansion and the, the threat. I mean, I mm. think it was all oil and gas. Russia wanted to lock down the oil and gas fields that have been discovered in right. the Donbass region. Um, is what it actually boils down to. But putting that aside, purportedly, it was the expansion of NATO. Um, I mean, what do you guys think of the expansion of NATO? How's that going to affect the, uh, the, the, the geopolitical sphere? Jordan, when you have Sweden, who historically yeah. has <laughs> been just neutral forever mm -hmm. yeah. wanting to join NATO, yes. that tells me that they're worried, right? You done fucked up, Russia. Yeah, and, and, <laughs> and they, they should be worried. Um, so I think it's a great thing. You know, the old soldier in me, hopes that our country can live up to its NATO commitments and if something bad happens that we can help protect our NATO allies. Or, or I shouldn't say we can. I know we can. I hope we have the right leadership to to hurry up and protect our allies instead of leaving them out there alone. Mm. Um, 100%. All right, let's see what else we got here. Um, and by I, the way, Swedes, if you just heard me say that, don't really worry. We will come help you. Um, it just may not be the way that I would have done it myself. So you're good. Thank yeah, you for joining yeah. NATO. B business Daddy LaCour would have like kicked in down the gates of Russia <laughs> with one hand and, you know, had a, a riding a dinosaur or something. It's very – a lot of – Give me two squads, Marine. I'll take over the whole country. That's right. That's <laughs> right. 
Oh, Marines. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Okay. Uh, let's see what we got here. We got um, da, 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 da. Uh, Ukrainian anti-corruption uh, reforms. Yeah, I mean, so Ukraine's going through a whole thing of trying to sort out the corruption. Because, you know, Ukraine did have a lot of corruption prior to They've the war. Always yeah. They yeah. always have. They always have. And it's not like it's gone away because right. there's war on. Right, exactly. Um, but I think there's a lot more pressure for them to clean up their act now that there's a considerable amount of international attention on them and also the literal fate of their country hangs in the balance. And um, so, yeah, I think that'll be um, that'll be interesting. Middle East, moving on, we've got the uh, Arab League reinstating Syria for the first time in quite a few years. The Arab League had uh, expelled Syria some time back, and they're evidently bringing them back in. Of course, Syria's got uh, quite a... You know, they've got that border with Lebanon, which yeah. is now the official uh, – Hezbollah is a pretty big deal there these days. Right. has an official governing party, the exported Iranian Revolution International Trademark. <laughs> no thoughts? <laughs> Um, it's a different culture there. Yeah, and, it and is. most Westerners, most Americans, most Europeans don't understand that it's a tribal culture. And things like tribal memory and um, history mean a lot more to them than it does here. Uh, and so you have ancient enemies that will always be ancient enemies, no matter what you do. Um, then you layer over that the amount of wealth you, you accumulate because of, of the traditional oil reserves that are there. And then the um, international involvement because the rest of the world wants those wants those hydrocarbons and it's just a mess. I don't know, Jordan, if it'll ever quiet down there. Probably I, not. I think the best time in history uh, was when, uh, and boy, I'm going to get some hate mail from Christians. <laughs> oh, I one. think I know where you're going. <laughs> I think the best time in history is when the Muslims ruled Jerusalem and they allowed every religion to come in because they realized that that city was religiously important to everybody and it was a center of learning. They had some of the best libraries in the world and then all of a sudden the Christians decided not that long ago that they wanted to take control of it and they started crap and it hasn't stopped since then and I don't think it will ever stop again. I think that part in history is the one time when it was relatively peaceful and everybody got along in the Middle East and I'm not sure Great if we can job, get Christians. back there. <laughs> and I'm Christian, by the way. I, it, it doesn't matter one way or the other, but I just think there was some really bad decisions made by uh, some very powerful uh, leaders in the Catholic Church during the war. You know, was it War of the Roses? No. Oh, it was way earlier. Way earlier that. I mean, my was, gosh, it was the... The Crusades. Crusades. Yeah, the Crusades. So is it the official policy of this podcast that we're anti-Crusades? <laughs> You're yes. putting a lot more thought into what I had as a throwaway joke question. <laughs> yeah, no, 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 no. I, I, you know, if, if on, on my list of things, and if I had a time machine, that would be in the top 20 to probably see if I could curtail that. Because the end result of that has just been a whole bunch of unnecessary deaths and destruction and famine and just hurt for a human race. You know? Oh, yeah. Yeah. And that loss of learning that we lost with all those libraries that were burned down. Oh, we certainly. went back to the Dark Ages. That was not a good time for no, mankind. It, it was not. Uh, let's see what else we got here. Sudan civil war escalates. Economic outlook deteriorates. Its trade so Sudan, as I recall, and I'm pulling this from my memory so I could be lying, but as I recall, Sudan's largest uh, uh, exporter, they export the majority of their oil and gas to China, as I yeah, recall. That's yeah, that's correct. Yeah. Um, and so the Sudanese civil war, I guess, was this round three is still ongoing. Um, we see any sort of uh, changes in China's behavior based on that. I mean, it seems like whatever disruption they would have received, they've dealt with at this point. Um, 
I don't know. Any thoughts on that? Not really. I, mm-hmm. I, I think I think China has bigger issues they're worried about. They have a lot of co- countries that they depend upon for a lot of other natural resources. Sudan's one of them. And so they play the right political game there, making sure the right groups that support trade with China have the right money and necessary, the right arms. Uh, if they need to do it in a way where the Western world can't blame it on China, they do that very well, right? Um, so I, I don't think anything more is going to happen there. And once again, that's those are tribal, tribal. It's a tribal culture, and you have these tribal issues um, that are just part of the culture of of of, of thinking that way. Okay, fair enough. Fair enough. Uh, let's see. What we got here. We got. Um, <clears throat> Upcoming elections in Thailand and Cambodia will change domestic and foreign policy landscapes in the Asia-Pacific region. So I don't actually know anything about these elections, but this show historically loves to cover obscure elections overseas that I have no business caring about and then getting really invested. So my commitment to my listeners, all 15 of you, is we're going to find out about the Cambodian and Thailand elections, and I'm going to make you care. That part of the world, you know, that's yeah. potential hotbed. Um, uh, so yeah, I can't wait to listen to your show because I literally know nothing about. I don't either. Of me, me either. Me either. I got very invested in the Turkish election, so now I've got to have something new to to care about. Um, let's see. Of course, the Iran China Russia trifecta alliance that's going on there. The BRICS thing. Well, this isn't BRICS. This is sort of a separate thing that, um, you know, they're sort of becoming the. Um, I want to say axis of evil, but that sounds a little dramatic. I'm not George <laughs> Bush. Uh. <laughs> but, but you know what? It, it, it sets the visual for what it is. Yeah. Right, right. Yeah. right. We'll, uh, we'll go with that. I'm sure that'll be my next uh, hate mail. Um, <clears throat> but no, they've got that uh, bizarre three-way. Uh, that, we'll call it a devil's three-way, if you will, um, between Iran, Russia, and China. And uh, they've gotten closer and closer. And, of course, I, I've talked up at length on this show before about the relationship between Russia and China and even a bit between Iran and, and Russia. I did that a few episodes back. But um, I think you know, people are worried about that alliance, but I really think that that political alliance is so transactional. China likes Russia because Russia is a distraction for the West and keeps yep. people off focus. But eventually, I think water is going to be the crisis between Russia and China um, because China's got a water problem that's coming up, and and they've got to give or take a billion miles to feed. And if you think about it, in that part of the world, their next-door neighbor is India with another billion people, and there's only so much fresh water to go around. And there's a lot more fresh water that's being totally unutilized in Siberia right on the other side of China, and I think that's going to be the wedge. Um, at some point in the next 50 years between those two countries. And then I think Iran has so much bad blood with, certainly with Russia, that while they're having the little slap fight with us, but I think there's eventually going to be some some blowback. There's, there's not enough trust between those three countries yeah. to actually align. You said that so much more succinctly yeah. than me. It's, um, <laughs> you know, you look at our alliance with uh, with the European nations, even the ones that we whipped their butt in World War II, we're now best buds, right? Because we think alike, we have common goals, uh, we may have different languages, but but we more or less um, trust each other. And I, I just that trifecta, they don't trust each other. It, it will never turn into anything of much worry, uh, mm-hmm. other than maybe the movement of uh, modern arms, where we just have to keep an eye on that. Yeah. Okay. Let's see what we've got here. We got um. Yeah, I don't care about that. It's not interesting. 
Let's see. Chinese government continues to prioritize national security over growth. That's true. Um, they've been growing their military at a astonishing rate yeah. Yeah, for years now. And I think they've got, I believe, and you and I talked about this over coffee this morning. Mark and I's morning coffee time is quite the hodgepodge of what the fuck is happening in the world. Um, you really should just recorded that and called it a show. But I think we had kind of figured out that the Chinese Navy at this point was the largest in the world or something like that. It was very close second. Um, they've got a very new military, although much less experienced, and they have been doubling down on their military spending for the past 10, 15 years Decade, in a very yeah. aggressive way. Yeah. So I think, you know, I mean, at what point do we worry that all this investment in this badass military is going to result in them going, well, we ought to use... I mean, you said it a few minutes I just ago. talked about yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, you know. Yeah. It's... um, So, from a tactical point of view, the straits are, are the key area right there. As long as our Navy can control those straits, no matter what happens, we basically could starve China, and they know that, right? Mm -hmm. So, if, if I was on the Chinese side of the military command, I would be trying to figure out a way to make sure I could take those straits from, from I shouldn't say the U.S. Navy, <clears throat> from the Western Navy, right? Because mm -hmm. you also have, um, England has a very staunch Navy. Mm -hmm. You have Australians, yep. which, by the way, both England and Australians people love a good war. Like, no matter what happens, we may not get along <laughs> right now. We may fight about this, that, and the other. The moment a major war breaks up, it's like all hands on deck. And that actually means a lot. Yeah. When you have countries of that size with that Western wealth, bringing their armament together it's 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 a lot to try to take on right and the fact that we routinely practice together so um but if the chinese ever get to a point where they can fend those straits we're up shit creek the mm. u.s and we yeah. do not ever let them get there yeah yeah straits of malacca hugely important to that all right and i think um i already covered that one talk about the thailand and cambodian engagement i think that pretty much covers all the talking points i was gonna hit on this any Anything on y'all's radar that we didn't talk about that you think is a geopolitical threat? Um, so the world's population growth is slowing, and that trend will continue. And at some point, it will level out. And then the day after that, we will have less people on Earth than we had yesterday. Okay? Mm -hmm. If you think about that long-term-wise, that is a geopolitical risk that we've never had to even consider. Right? Mm -hmm. For my entire life, we've had to consider... Um, how do you feed everybody? Mm -hmm. How do you have enough fresh water for everybody? How do you have enough abundant energy for everybody? Right. What happens when everybody has enough energy and water and food, and then there's less people and less people and less people? And, and what people? is causing that, Mark? It's it's changes in culture. Okay. It's things like uh, women being able to control their reproduction. Right. It's things yeah, like okay. education. Yeah. Right. And all that has been accelerated by things like the internet. Mm -hmm. So 50 years ago, if you lived in Cambodia or Cambodia, you didn't know there were birth control pills. Mm -hmm. Well, now, even though you still live in a village, you have a cell phone with 5G coverage. Yeah. And now you know, I'm just, I go, wait, I don't have to get pregnant. I can have sex when I want and not have to worry about having a baby. And you have that combined with the policies of the Chinese of having one child, mm -hmm. which they actually was that was probably a mistake. Their population growth is slowing. India just passed them up in population, mm -hmm. and I think India's capacity up in GDP. 
So at some point, and if you look at the the data, there's certain states in the U.S. that the you know you need 2.1 children born for every uh, uh, every adult because of, of death and disease and everything to keep the population level. There's some states in the U.S. that will have nobody freaking living in them because there's like more Montana. people dying. Well, so actually Montana's those states that are kind of square in the middle of the country that's hard to believe anybody lives in. They're actually stable. It's states like Maryland, Rhode Island, uh, the old really? Easter, and then. Page, our home state of Louisiana is one of them. Well, that kind of so makes sense. You have people leaving the state, <laughs> and you're not having um, enough people being born there to replace them. At some point in the next 100 years, if the trend continues, there's going to be no people in those states. That's a geopolitical risk that nobody's planning on right now. Well, to like, be fair, the humidity in Louisiana. <laughs> I mean. <laughs> it's, it's not That's, worse than it is here. <laughs> it's about the same here yeah. in Houston. Um, yeah. But that's something that you're not hearing anybody talk about. Same way with our impact to the planet. So as our population decelerates and starts shrinking, we're going to have less and less impact to the planet. Um, I think the f- if we can figure that out as a as a pop, this is one of those things where the world's going to have to come together. If we can figure that out because you're not going to have enough people. You're not going to have enough uh, workers. Um, Japan right now can't hire garbage men. Because the population is getting older and older, and you can't really be a garbage man when you're 70, yet most of their population is 65 and older. They have very strict um, immigration laws. Yeah, they do. So either Japan is going to have to change their immigration laws, which they won't do because of the culture of the old people that are ruling the country that can't collect the garbage, or you have to invent robots to collect the garbage. So you can see a lot of stuff changed just because there's not enough people in the world, which is a weird thing not to even we have, think You've about. always heard about overpopulation, yeah. not not a lack of population. Right. Yeah. So, interesting. Well, there, Paige, what do you got? You got anything no, that, that, no. that covers it? No, that's, I'm good. That's good. You've just been sitting there cradling that bottle of whiskey this whole time. <laughs> I, have also, I also have goals. <laughs> fair enough, fair enough. I, I was a fool to question. Well, listen, first off, thank you so much for um, allowing me in the company headquarters um, it's always uh, a little bit shocking that I work here, and uh, you know, aside from the occasional reprimand, they still just sort of let me do whatever the fuck it is I want on this show. And um, but well, thank you guys. You're for pulling being the numbers. Here. I mean, you're up to fifteen now instead 15. of thirteen. We have the fifteen. I can't be stopped. Um, so there we go. Thank you guys so much for being on the show. As usual, thanks for um, having us. Of course, to all my listeners, love you guys. Stay tuned. If you um, would like to leave a review, feel free and do that. If you don't want to. Before oh. you get out of here, Jordan, oh, yes. remind everybody about the new Sunday update. Yes. And the link will be in your show. Yes. Notes. There is a Sunday update, which there will be a link for in my show. And um, the, it has the, <laughs> yeah, I know. It's like I was fed that. Ver- verbatim. Verbatim. See, that's quality employee right there. So the Sunday update's a newsletter, which is probably underselling it quite a bit. Uh, that we are sending out that has uh, videos of some of the hosts and us having sort of behind-the-scenes Q&A questions being answered. There's some excellent content in there. It's not just scraped news articles from aggregators. It's actual really interesting content and, of course, updates on what's going on with different shows. By all means, check it out. There will be a link in the show notes. And, um, yeah, I think that pretty much – that is what I'm legally required to say. Yep, you're good. You're excellent. good. So I've covered my bases. Yep. No, here no more reprimanding. Me. No more rep- – well – that's, well, well, I guess it's early in the day. That, that's right. We'll, <laughs> we'll see where the rest of the day goes. Anyways, guys, thank you so much for being on the show. Feel free to um, leave a comment if you like it. If you don't, go listen to something else. There's a billion other shows out there, at least another good dozen on the network. Um, and that's what we have for tonight. So this is Jordan Driscoll reminding you that this might be my last show since Congress voted to have me executed for treason. So, there you go. See you guys on the next one. Join us again next week on the Oil & Gas Geopolitics Podcast, a production of the Oil & Gas Global Network. 
To learn more, go to OGGN.com.